Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> We're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Finale episode. It's the finale, bitches. Woo. Nice. Do you have the self-care horn? Yeah. Queued up? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. very important. Got this it. finale. Though there's not a lot of self-care in this finale. No, but I mean, one of us might have a zinger. You never know. Uh, yeah, we really never know. You know what I, I did today? Hmm. You know what I did? I went and got a facial. <laughs> yeah, my esthetician was like, you're perfect. <laughs> you're already doing all the things that I tell people to do so their skin stops being jacked up. And wow. I was like, thank you. I did stop drinking and I'm a wizard. I was wondering if you were going to find a way to bring that brag to the podcast oh, bitch, i didn't think well and i thought about it a lot as i took a two-hour victory nap after all that positive affirmation so thank you carrie at piedmont springs you made my day yeah so take care of yourself if you take care of yourself half as well as your aunt kelly does you're going to be in the clear yeah take care of yourself half as well as me and brag twice as much there you go that's my prescription <laughs> uh before we get into this episode discussion we have some housekeeping 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 uh we'd like to give a special thank you to our venmo sponsors this venmo. week i don't know what is wrong with me by the way you're happy i am oh <laughs> what a weird sensation i know well you'll feel it more once we're done with this season of the handmaid's tale <laughs> that's true not that it's not brilliant television it's just yeah <laughs> although i did just start watching pose and uh, uh a bunch of those bitches are gonna get hurt and i oh, don't no. want it to happen but anyway well anyway here are the redheads the fans of our show who have donated to us via venmo and that's venmo.com slash red all over and those are samantha wagner mary galvan chrissy gardner not related to chrissy teigen maybe carla mccord striking a mccord in my mccart noah Sintic. noah was the name of a boy i had a crush on in seventh grade i hope you're him uh mallory weston stay at the weston jim egan talks to us a lot on facebook lacy harder we never forgot her chloe tomorrow tomorrow i love you today kate craft danielle tropia two-time donator two times the love for you rc con no relation to rc cars rebecca helgeson helgeson i barely know her alinda wood would you sponsor us? You sure would. Crystal Nanavati, another two-time sponsor. She makes it into the two-timers club, a club reserved for you, me, Danielle Trapia, and all of those who cheat on their spouses. Uh, and Caroline Stein, who writes scary books for children. Oh, wait, that's R.L. Stein. Anyway, Caroline's a great. Uh, Jenny Raymond, everybody loves her. And Aaron Fellers, who is my friend from Improv. Aaron, that's I love ya. Thank also, you. Also, Caroline Stein is my friend from working in retail and being a moody theater bitch. Ooh, moody theater bitches yeah, unite. Moody theater bitches. Also, Danielle's name is Tropea, I believe. Pardon me. That's okay. She wrote it on the Venmo, which you don't look at. Nope. And I look at it, and I meant to tell you, and I forgot. So, Danielle, I probably mispronounced it again. That's okay. You know what? Thank you guys for your support of us and thank you to all of our fans on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash red all over. Woof. We've had um, some tough discussions there the past couple of days and for the most part you guys have been 
relatively civil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it did. It got hairy there. And um, I ran away. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I get to a point where I'm like, am I really the person who's arguing on Facebook? Yeah. Like, that's why I stopped drinking coffee on weekdays. Whoa. It literally is. I got into a huge fight with this guy that wow. I barely know. He was wrong. But... I was just like, you know what? I don't need to be this person. Right. Anyway. Well, we have a great a great Facebook community. Thank you to everybody who likes us on Twitter. You can follow Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. Molly's at Serious Molly. And please don't forget to rate us five stars on the iTunes store. Rate us five stars on Facebook. Rate us five stars on a tattoo that you get of our logo. Do not get a tattoo of our logo. Do it. Do it. All right. Well, what if I got a tattoo of our logo? You know, I... Listen, if I got a bonnet right above my pubis. No, <laughs> I have been think I've been contemplating a no lite tattoo, but I can't decide if that's Oof. like the Deathly Hollows like yeah, basic I think, ass I tattoo. Think it is. Like, let me put it this way: if you had gotten that tattoo yeah. before this show came out, you'd be so pissed after the show came out. Because you'd be like, now everybody's doing it. But I kind of like that about it. Same way I, I do kind of like the Deathly Hollows tattoos because it's like, hey, we're all in on the same thing. That's so fun. What if you got a tattoo of a pat of butter on your face? Yes. <laughs> Let's get into this episode before I go do that. So Season two, episode 13, the word. Oh, well, a word, word, word. A word is a word. A word, word, word. Word is a word. I can't understand that one negative review we got that says we make fun of this show too much. I don't understand that either. It's like it's a comedy podcast. So strange. Wow. I I was worried when I first saw the title of this episode because I thought it said the ward, like a hospital ward. And oh, I was worried about that. I, I got excited because I saw those wives on like the thumbnail that we had. Oh, it made me so scared. I was like, what are these bitches doing? This was a crazy stressful episode. It was crazy stressful. I'm excited to talk about what I liked and what I didn't like. Great. Let's dive right in. So the first scene is June and Amanda Bruegel taking Wash off the line and they're very markedly taking Eden's clothes off of the laundry basket to send home to her mama and papa and Ima says this is all she leaves behind and she goes through this list <laughs> of all these words okay in addition to let's retire the phrase hot for teacher let's retire like dubiously meaningful lists of words like she just yeah. like she starts going through like the Gilead things and then she's like criminal traitor cashier at cbs like yeah it's just like all these and i'm like i don't care do you know my favorite one she's like queen <laughs> like, yes i do want to make a ringtone that's just elizabeth moss like stoically saying queen <laughs> one thing i wondered here and i feel like i actually i watched this episode twice which oh. i rarely do but i just was in the mood to watch something last week and i wanted to watch this so I did it, and then I had to rewatch it to take notes. So I feel like I took better notes than usual. Wow. You're welcome, America <laughs> and other countries where people listen to this. But why, when a wife becomes a mother, does her clothing not change at all? Because this is a society I, where it's so stratiated. And I'm not saying that she would, like, stop wearing wife blue or anything like that. But it's like, you know, why doesn't she get, like, a little, like, pink lapel thing or something, something. yeah or you know i guess pink or like blue i assume the boys are in blue we have seen 
no boys mm-hmm. in Gilead. Just so I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Just Although kidding. I can't remember in the first season when the Mexican ambassador was there at that reception. So I believe from my memory that the children we saw there were dressed in white for okay. like effect. Okay. So we don't know what the day to day normal wear of a boy child would be. Okay. But I think my theory is that assuming. there's some kind of why the last man situation to brew in here. Where the Y chromosome is just like peace, which is funny because it kind of looks like a peace sign. It sure does. (laughs) Yes, that is a good question as to why the wife doesn't get a new special little insignia for being a mother. That would be a great note. Give her a scarlet M. Something. If it was by a handmaid. Symbolism, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, great. And I think what's interesting is we start this episode seeing, or we end last episode kind of seeing her grief for Eden being processed through Nick. Like she's sad for Nick Mm -hmm. that his, his wife is gone. And the interesting shift that we see in this episode is her grief for Eden shifting to Eden for Eden's sake. Oh, yeah. Which is so interesting and just... I think a cool flip. We get the intel that if you are a heretic, you're not buried. You're ground up for animal feed. Which is very Deadwood of this show. And I missed that on my first watch. So I'm glad that I caught it on the second watch. Wow. Because at first I thought it was just that they were hanging on the wall in like, you know, food for crows kind of situation. But I think the phrase animal feed means specifically like, hey, livestock. Oh, yeah. Uh, It means like... You know, the movie Hannibal, Deadwood, it means all of this stuff <laughs> where they're feeding humans to animals. Yeah. So that's that's sort of the Gilead exists on such a like a cyclical thing. Like would the you, handmaids birth you the say, babies and the handmaids become the dirt that is tilled in the colonies. And it's just like these women are the renewable, the quasi-renewable resource in which this society runs. Would you say it's a circle of life? You were fucking almost talking over my actual literary analysis to say your goddamn Lion King pun. And I swear to Christ, I have never loved you. More. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're the Scar and I'm the Mufasa. Like, oh, we can agree. Hell yes. Are you the Timon? No. In a Timon and Pubis situation? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm more type A than you. I think that's Except no, true. because I'm the fun dad in this dynamic, so I'm the Pumbaa. That is what is nuts, is someone was quoting our dynamic back to me, and they're like, you know how, like, Kelly's the fuck around, and, like, you're the, you're the, the straight man? I was like, what? That has never been the case but in you know, our it lives. It makes me so, like, grateful for our friendship, because it's like, why is this happening? <laughs> Uh, a lot of people are probably asking that about this podcast. We <laughs> we do find out Eden was good at sewing. I mean, I would hope so. She grew up on a farm, but like she made all of her own clothes. Mm-hmm. I went like, is there like a McCall's in Gilead that like gives you all the patterns? That's and, the only thing you're allowed to look or, at. Or like, do, like, can you buy like wife clothes off the rack? Like, I just have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about that, too. That's a good point. Something uh, else that we find out, though, is that Holly was really good at sewing, which mm-hmm. was a detail. Holly... The adult big, Holly. Big Holly. Big Holly. <laughs> not little Holly. Not mm. Hicole. 
if we're talking <laughs> about little Holly, we'll talk about Nicole. Okay. But Holly was really good at sewing, and June says she couldn't even hem pants, which is so interesting because you think of Holly as being this woman who has rejected mm-hmm. all of these feminine markers and and the limitations of society's attitude toward women but she was actually really capable at this very mm-hmm. like femme identified skill hey it's almost as if feminism is nuanced and uh varies slightly from woman to woman and there is no paradigm would you would you um would you say it's a big red tent yes <laughs> The part that I thought was interesting is that we sort of see the things they carried in terms of what... The Tim O'Brien book? Yes. What Eden had. She had that book. <laughs> Nobody mentioned that. Oh, no, man. just kidding. I love that book. By the way, Redheads, if you haven't read the things they carried... I'll add it to our... Really good. Just to know if you're a new listener, at the end of every season, we put out a book list, a reading list of like things you might want to read if you listen to our podcast. Things we name drop and mention. name dropped. But what I mean is they're looking through her possessions and... She finds a teddy bear, which destroyed me. Uh, And it's a photo, I think, of her and her sister. Yes. And (laughs) Rita feels terrible because Rita's like, I was so mean to her. I know. And then June takes this opportunity to make it about her pussy, which I know. Respect, but maybe not the time. So then Rita says, like, Rita, Mm -hmm. like, takes this in and pauses and says, I should have tried. And this is right after June says... I slept with her husband. And I was yeah. like, you should have tried to sleep with Nick. No, Rita. I like this buddy comedy thing you got going. But she meant yeah. she should have tried to be nicer to Eden. I thought that as well. I, like, but it was just like it was edited in such a way that it was I like, agree. whoa, what are you saying? But like, really, she was like, hey, I was talking about me, uh-huh. not Chapus. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it's so it is so indicative of how our relationship with this character has changed, too. That when June starts talking about her in relation to Nick, we're like, yeah, 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 she was a person. (laughs) Um, And I think that, yeah, that's when she finds the Bible. Oh, oh, and actually, quick, quick side. I was confused that this was the first time Rita knew that they were sleeping together. I mean, I'm still not sure that Fred knows. No, Fred is. I do not know what his deal is. Well, he's evil. Oh yeah, like we know that. But so June finds this Bible, and I loved this so much because it really like brought home to me. It's like you know when women are forced to be subservient, we are also forced to be subversive. Like if you are gonna force us into this unequal position, like. The human spirit is indomitable (laughs) against all fucking odds. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's just like, you know, you can't... Information wants to be free. Yeah. And it broke me that Eden had this Bible. Because we know that Eden was a true believer. And she was so by the book and she followed all the rules, but she needed... You know what I mean? It's not that she wanted to understand. She needed... On this like bone deep cellular level needed to have God's word in her life and to understand it. And so one thing that I also think this reveals that's interesting is that Eden did know how to read. And I wonder if her sister knows how to read. Her sister seems significantly... We don't know how long Gilead has been around. But anyway, but like, I'm like, did, did she and her sister know how to read? Yeah, that and... would be interesting, especially if, uh, like some people were saying in our discussion, that Eden's 15, if Gilead's only been around 
three, four years. Yeah. Eden was raised in a pre-Gilead right. time. So it would make sense to me that potentially she learned how to read. This fertility crisis happens. Her parents are like, could we still have another kid? Mm-hmm. They have her other sister. And then they're like, no, we have to go full Gilead. Yeah. That's the way that things are turning. The other thing, this is from way, way, way back. But I remember somebody on Facebook bringing up when Eden was so like excited about the chocolate tokens and saying, I've never seen a chocolate token before. And being like, oh, my God, like how long has Gilead been around? That didn't bother me in that like timeline sense, because however long chocolate tokens have been around or just tokens in general, like she just hasn't seen a chocolate token. Yeah, like, I it's agree. not that it's been her whole life she hasn't seen a chocolate token. Yeah. It's just, like, since the inception of tokens. That's how I read it. Yeah. So, gosh, we got way too granular, way too fast. Uh, nah. So it's we- the finale, bitch! <laughs> That's what it's for! <laughs> so, uh, we go to the greenhouse where Serena Joy is potting. Lilies! She's potting lilies! Get it, rebirth! Get it, Easter! <laughs> get it, babies! Get it! Get it, girl! Get it! I thought that was interesting. It's because no flower will go on this show without ascribing meaning to it. As God is my witness. I thought it was very cute. I love when people uh, refer to babies telling them things when babies cannot tell people things. It was very cute. I love it. Before this scene got real. Because she says, we were talking about lilies and June is like halfway on board with it. Like she's kind of annoyed. She's like, oh, did she have a lot to say? (laughs) The thing I think is funny is is it reminds me of that old like shower thought like no matter how tough you are if a baby hands you a phone you answer it and so I'm just picturing like all these people in Gilead like answering baby phones. <laughs> it's very delightful. So she brings her the Bible and she expects her to be to have some kind of reaction which I think is I think we're just we're seeing Serena Joy fraying at the seams and offered is trying to squeeze into that part where she's unsure she's trying to squeeze in that doubtful place and get her on her side and it doesn't quite work here so i'm gonna agree with you but okay i think that we're at the point where a thread is loose and we'll get into this throughout this episode we go from a thread being loose to the whole damn sweater unraveling at the end of this episode and i think it's way too fast Oh, I just And I did not buy it at all. Okay, well, then I'm looking forward to arguing with about it, like, as we get in later. Okay. This scene, I thought, was pretty solid because Serena, like, denies it. And she's like, well, it seems that Eden was hiding a multitude of sins. Yes. And June, like, it's interesting because I loved it in this scene because she knocks on the door and she's like, Mrs. Waterford. So she, like, comes in as Offred and she flips to June, like, immediately. And she flips from Mrs. Waterford to Serena. Ser- that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Like, when she calls her Mrs. Waterford, that's Offred. When she calls her Serena, that's June. Names are so um, powerful. But she ah, gives, in my personal opinion, the number one best line reading of this show. And I don't know if it's because of like my background and like having a lot of like evangelical friends growing up or what, but you know, she starts needling Serena and she's saying, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to keep Nicole safe? And like, she even calls her your daughter. Like it's really interesting throughout this episode, how much June 
is willing to sacrifice her own emotions and her own mm-hmm. dignity and safety for this child, even to the point of not acknowledging herself as her yes. parent. And it reminds me of the story of King Solomon and the two women with the baby. No, <laughs> the but top I mean, part. yeah, that's what I'm laughing at. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, but you know, she, she is saying, no, you, you know, you keep this baby safe. Like this baby safety is the number one thing. And then Serena's saying, oh, you know, I'll raise my daughter to be better and smarter. To and be proper. To says. be proper. And, you know, she will know the word of God and obey it. And June just snaps. And this is the line reading I love. She cannot read his word. Oh, snap. I'm getting horny just listening to you read that. That's great. You're right. Well, that's what I do, you know, some evenings. I work a 900 number doing Elizabeth Moss line readings. Um, No one can do Elizabeth Moss line readings like her. That was pretty darn good. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm not making great money doing it. You're more reliant on our event, to be honest. Uh, If you want to hit the red all over sex line, (laughs) 1-800-HELLO. Figure out how to spell that. Actually, I think it's, uh, oh. It's 1-800-GET-IT. Listen, I hate having inaccurate ones, but I'll figure out a good one. Okay. Um, uh, and yes. Serena gets shook by this. Like, she doesn't capitulate here, but she she's really thinking about it. She sure is. And it's so exciting to see. <sighs> scene is in the den. <sighs> I wrote, this scene made me so angry. I know. I wrote Eden's dad. Oh, fuck this fuck bag. He has to go there and like, pick up what's left of her stuff and we had spent this whole season wondering who her parents are and it was such an interesting glimpse into who they who her father is at and least. he apologizes to nick for what his eden did oh it's so sad unrelated does june have highlights because it really looks like she has highlights she gotta touch up somewhere like, what between... is going on <laughs> i wonder if you if you mentioned that to someone who was making the show they're like oh um uh, the, the sun, after you give the birth uh you hair chain color <laughs> yes i i did also notice her hair looks markedly lighter so that is horrible what is interesting is i noticed boy again the cinematography in this is so good because i noticed that the way we're introduced to serena and the commander in this scene is it's the backs of their heads Mm -hmm. so it's like they they can't they they do look at him but just cinematically they're saying like they can't even look this person whose daughter they killed in the eye yeah except fred oh my god Uh, anyway it's awful and you know he says something about like Sorry. I hope your other daughter learns from her sister's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Eden's dad and presumably his wife, but it was her dad though. Yeah. Um <laughs> totally. Well, because her mom was the one who screamed. You know what I mean? Like that was not a yeah. woman who was willing to give up her child. Yeah. Her dad called the authorities on her. She took Babyface Isaac Guardian to her family's farm like they didn't have a plan but she just wanted to be with this person that she loved in this place that she loved and her family of origin betrayed her oh it's so heartbreaking i that's what i think of just all the time 
Like, because I don't agree with my family on a lot of things. Uh And I'm just, I don't know. Would they sell you? I don't think they would. I don't know. I don't think they would. Ah, It depends what it would be for. Mm. If the Pope said to do it, I think they would do it. Oh, no. I mean, I don't think the Pope, like this poop, this poop, this poop, (laughs) this poop, uh, this poop is a cool poop. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the young poop. (laughs) Yeah, that is heartbreaking. But obviously, you know, this is teeing this is coming off of last last episode which is so strongly about daughters and what it means mm-hmm. to be a daughter what it means and this one is about what it means to have a daughter and rita can't take it rita walks out Brugal. and when they when he says that they call the authorities june says you turned her in and i don't buy that like Make Gilead strict again yeah well <laughs> anyway that feeds into my issues with the serena plotline later mm-hmm. but i'm just like you can't like you you can't they just killed a child last week seriously like, how i mean and it's like i get that you're like feeling very rambunctious but if your priority is to keep your child safe making yourself a nuisance in this it's like you calling it out doesn't make a diff. Like he doesn't no. care. He doesn't respect you. I think they're just saying they're trying to imply that everyone's emotions are running real hot and real close to the surface. And the yeah. more scared everybody gets, the harder it is to keep it in. She's frantic. I, I you know, uh, we we do shit on June a lot for like poor decision making <laughs> skills potentially, but it's just like. You know, none of us would know how we would act unless we were in the similar situation. And sometimes your body and your brain do dumb things when you're scared. And I, that's all it boils down to. I would probably sing like a lot. You would sing. I You'd would be sing the a lot. singing hand. I'd be the singing That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, it would be kind of nice. Kind of into that. I'd be um, like, on participation day, I'd be like, I love a parade. <laughs> Punk. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so then the, uh, I'm going to say the Edens. I don't remember their last name, but the Edens leave. I don't think they have one. Oh, yeah. Last names are from the devil. <laughs> I forgot. Well, she was Eden Blaine until the unpleasantness. Yeah. Eden was her name. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've seen 30 Rock. I didn't get her one obscure 30 Rock reference. I have seen that show. What are you going to do? Move to the Bay Area and act like it was your plan the whole time? (laughs) Have fun always carrying a light sweater. (laughs) Do you think you'll buy me mozzarella sticks? (laughs) Anyhow. So they leave. Then, ooh, Grinch Offred is back. Grinch Offred. She's so scary. Ooh, man. Emmy for Emas. Seriously, all the Emmys. But she goes up to Fred and she's imploring him. She's like, what 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 will you do when they come for your daughter? And he leaves. And I thought, oh, Fred, you gonna take that? And he does not take that. Yeah, ma'am. he didn't leave. He shut the door. Oh, and he he comes back and he clocks her. But then, but then she clocks him back. And I cheered, friends. I cheered. I cheered too. I cheered so hard. Actually, because he, this is the appropriate place to act out, not in front of the dude you already know is a snitch. <laughs> yeah, he is itching to snitch. <laughs> And to snitch. then he grabs her face in my favorite face acting of the episode. Oh. And she looks like a rabid animal, like in a muzzle. It's terrifying. Grinch Offred is back. And he quotes, uh, the mouth of a woman is a deep pit. And I was like, yes, my mouth is a deep pit. I am great at blowies. Did Thank he steal you. that from your Tinder bio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I ah man, his he is throwing out some A plus misogyny. Well, and again, one thing I will say that I think that they've done a great job with is Fred's arc. Yeah, which is annoying because it's a show about women, and I feel like <laughs> the women have not had the arcs that I want them to have. And oh, not I even disagree. The, not even the arcs that I want them to have. They don't have arcs that I believe. But Fred's arc is completely believable. And maybe it's because we don't spend as much time with him. But it's like, okay, he was doing his whole permissive, you know, cool commander, cool mm-hmm. finger guns thing. And then he has this scare with the bomb and makes this hard right back into fundamentalism. He's recommitted himself to, like, believing in Gilead. He wants to make Gilead straight again. Yeah straight <laughs> again well probably both to be honest uh yeah it i think i feel like a lot of people have got great great arcs on this show um and fred is no different something to note is that the mouth of a woman is a deep pit is from proverbs twenty two fourteen. but fred is omitting a word <gasps> the as far as i can tell it by the old inter of net uh <laughs> The quote is, the mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep <gasps> pit. So he's just uh, cutting out the middleman and making oh my gosh. all, yes, all women, which is very scary. Uh, also, of course, she- the mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. How is she going to give them <laughs> blowies? There you go. <laughs> it's true. Very important. Uh, so they, he leaves. He leaves. Now, here's something. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the bedroom okay and rita is talking to her and nick comes in and as rita is leaving rita says to nick your girlfriend is a badass and i thought that was so insensitive <laughs> his, his his wife just was murdered he in public like her. Amanda. She, knew she didn't like him it doesn't matter if like my work, if somebody I went to work with was murdered in a swimming pool in front of me, and the next day you're like, well, at least you don't have to clean up your side of the desk. I would still be upset, and I would think you were being rude. I Okay, I am not bothered by this okay. in the way that you are. I thought it was dumb, but apparently the writers thought it was really important for Rita to say something to Nick to be like, hey, Alfred told me about her pussy. I wish she had just like, as she was going, she'd be like, hey, I know y'all fucking. <laughs> and leave. That would have been more believable. And more sensitive, to be honest. Well, and then we see June go immediately into comforting Nick. Like, again. Well, I was surprised by this because I was expecting the whole rest of the season him to be cold to her because of his guilt over Eden's death. Yeah. And that kind of just didn't happen. Maybe he just feels bad because he doesn't feel bad. Ooh. You know, somewhere Nick is like, hey, that would make a really good name for a song. <gasps> oh, I my feel God. bad because I don't feel bad. I'm going to write a screenplay about this. This is great. <laughs> I will it's, not apologize for making fun of Nick. It's about a hot young guardian. Yeah. Named Rick. <laughs> Plain. Yeah, Rick Plain with his really cool, with his really cool band. And his best friend is Johnny Gunman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love the... Dyn- <laughs> 
love Johnny Gunman so Johnny much. Johnny Gunman was the the joke of this ep- of this podcast that I wanted to catch on that no one liked but you and me. That's fine. I love it. So you can Johnny Gunman any day. This is them in the nursery. And the dynamic that I really love to watch, and I'm glad we got a little bit of it before the finale, is the dynamic of Nick being a first time parent. Mm-hmm. Because Nick, you know, not to cast wide, you know, to make assumptions, but Nick didn't strike me in the before world as somebody who was like, oh, I'd like to have a kid someday. He's like, I'd like to have another band someday. Yeah, he's really like the Kelly Anakin of this show <laughs> in that regard, I think. Yeah. So it is interesting to see this person who maybe didn't see themselves as having a kid awkwardly deal with a kid. And it's very sweet. And I love this like teeny tiny glimpse we get into what their family is like because their family is her teaching him about kids i am gonna reveal to you Mm. a very deep not at all dark nor alternative secret about me which is that like i i would probably have a kid just so that i could say to some dude look what we made But it's like, maybe first I should like, we should take a pottery class together, but it's like, maybe I was thinking that you used to point to your podcast and be like, look what we made. You can, yeah, you can spoon me and say that. I know, but it's not the same. You're not a boy, Molly. Thanks a lot. Uh, this is very sweet. I love this little. little I think Max's face acting is so great. June says she loves him, and I'm like, do you though? Does she? I, I miss that. I don't think she does. I don't. Think I don't she think does. she loves him. She says that she loves him. She's but. he's her prison boyfriend, and she lucked out that her prison boyfriend is like very cute and has pillowy lips. Yeah, and he's nice and is a nice boy. That's and when, right. And when she says hold the back of her head, he does so, which is something that men struggle with for yeah. some reason. They're like, what? My man. Master Mitch had had two and a half glasses of rosé when we were watching this last night, and he he gets very emotional. So he goes, "He's such a nice boy." So all of you people getting mad at us for shitting on Max Mangella, Mitch agrees <laughs> with you guys, not with me. Uh, then guess what? What? Wall time. Wall time. Wall time. Super happy wish time. Wall time. Wall time. Oof. Next scene takes place uh, walking by the riverbed where the wall is, and it's handmaids talking to handmaids. And there's some Marthas looking at Eden and Isaac. We don't know how they feel, but it doesn't seem fun to look at children who have been hung on the wall. And this scene... (laughs) So, Janine is all over the place in this scene. I did not find her characterization to be consistent in this scene with anything that has gone before. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like they wanted to say all these lines and they were like, let's just put them in the scene and Janine's going to say them. Mm. Like, because she's saying, so she's very into this idea of them dying for love. I never really got her being a romantic before. Well, I mean, I don't count being in love with your commander and running away with him as being a romantic. Like, I, I don't know. I actually would venture to say that that is. Um, she says that's idealist. I think if we're using romantic in the sense not as having to do with like l- romantic love, but more in okay. romantic ideals. Well, she also says yes. that they can bake a cake. No, they can't. 
they don't have the rations to bake a cake. Like, listen, all kinds of rules are weird. Sometimes you can have your handmaid's friends over for baby shower brunch. <laughs> and yeah, if a wife says so, not because if some random but colony. But you know, there's probably so. some like very permissive wife where they're like, Mrs. So-and-so, can we make a cake? They're like, Janine. Okay. <laughs> I like how Margaret Atwood is this don't wife. Don't say anything about it, okay, hon? Yeah. I, God, I would be the shitty wife that called the handmaid, hon. Like, how's it going, hon? Um, your husband's so, raping me. Okay, so the real thing that really got me, I do not buy Janine as a tequila drinker. Really? Because it's canon uh, from season one. That Janine drinks tequila? Yeah. Really? They say in season one... They're trying to cheer Janine up from, you know, one of the horrors oh, right. she's experiencing. She loves margaritas. And they they say, like, we'd go out to karaoke. That's right. It was when she like, was going to die. Margaritas. And I believe she even pitches the idea. She's like, we'd have to have, like, shots at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. it's uh, Janine is a tried and true tequila Okay. Drinker. Never mind then. All right. You know what? I rescind my criticism. But I love that. Anytime the handmaids kind of fantasize about being regular gal pals, it really... It makes me happy. And what we do find out here that is notable is that Oliver's birthday is coming up. Mm-hmm. And Emily has been having a lot of like dreams about him and mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's where, the, you know, Janine's like, we can make a cake. And and the, she reveals that they haven't had the ceremony with Whitford yet. And it's going to be that night. Mm-hmm. And June says to imagine her commander going into a wood chipper, mm-hmm. which really upsets Janine. Like Janine through this whole scene is like, quit it yeah stop being horrible and i'm like have you met these two like i know but she does take emily to task for being a downer she's like why are you always complaining (laughs) and like like i don't like i don't have a side in this fight like they've just chosen very different coping mechanisms do you know whose side i'm on shannon's that weird fourth handmaid that's in that shot (laughs) she's like i'm only here because the actress that plays brianna was doing a guest spot for freeform so yeah Yeah, just in the background. I'm here also. The next scene is the wives in this weird building, of which I'm not sure. It actually reminded me of those parts in Call the Midwife, where um, all the moms have to go to the clinic on Thursdays. I thought it was somebody's house. It looks gigantic, but good for them. Well, look, it clearly is a meeting of wife club. Yeah, it is. The first rule of wife club is talk about. Talk a wife club. But do not read. But do not read. Yeah. Yeah. and I wrote out, ugh, and Crabtree, you outdid yourself. This is why I'm wondering if there's a McCall's, because everybody has a different outfit. That would make a lot of sense, though, you know, I wonder if sewing is considered too intellectual, but crocheting is not, or knitting is not. I don't not. think so. Not if Eden was allowed to sew. That's true. But I think if we could agree on anything about Eden, it's that she was not an intellectual. Right. (laughs) Poor baby. I think what is great about this episode is it's the first time really we've seen a bunch, like a big, big amount of wives together. What about all the birthdays and the bridal showers? It is, but I would still consider that a big group. Okay, fair enough. Well, maybe what is remarkable then is that we see them slightly closer so you can really see the differentiation Mm -hmm. between wife outfits and for just even putting Naomi next to Serena Joy and how different the construction of their outfits is. It's like, oh, yeah. Ann Crabtree, you're excellent. And by also, the way, follow Ann Crabtree on Instagram. She posts cool behind the scene shots and she has roughly 40 dogs and cats what? that she always posts pictures. That's of. amazing. So she's a cool ass bitch. So basically Serena in this scene is 
sort of testing the waters with Naomi about, hey, I'm a little concerned about the safety of our daughters. Do Mm -hmm. you think anybody else feels this way? And Naomi's like, yeah. Like in such a way that it's like, it's been discussed in hushed tones. And so they all go down with her and Leah and Grace were the two other wives that she made mention. Oh, okay. I didn't catch their names. So I'm glad that you did. Um, so they go to sort of where all the wives are confabbing and presumably have a conversation about this. Now, it, it is so true to life, but also frustrating to me personally that Serena Joy and all of these women are the quintessential like conservative person that's like, oh, shit, I have I have daughters now. I have to worry about this. I agree with you. And I don't know <laughs> what the... And I'm painting I mean, with really, broad look, strokes. We here's know. the thing. Like, people are ultimately very self-centered. And it's like, if an issue doesn't affect them, yeah, they aren't going to care that much. Yeah. Um, and, but again, and I do, I just, I hate the argument of like, it's your daughter, your mother, your wife, your sister. And it's like, just, can human beings just be human beings without being connected to you? Like, mm-hmm. Why Especially why does women. a person have to be connected to you? Like how can you not have compassion for people just because you've never met them? Exactly. So just a little kernel to think about. <laughs> uh but but it, what I commend these wives for doing is, you know, kind of taking that note and trying to do something about it. Yeah. Which is commendable. I I think, you know, anybody who's trying to do better Yeah, we're pro doing better. Yeah, we are pro doing better. In the next scene, Emily wakes up for her ceremony. I was really confused because I thought this was off-red. Me too. And I was like, what is up with your bed? Like, why is it that color? But it was Emily. And she wakes up. She goes down into, you know, the, the drawing room and gets her, you know, kneeling pillow out and stuff. And... The, like there's just shitty baby boomer music playing. Uh, that music is Ichiku Park by the Small Faces, and <laughs> the Small Unbuttered Faces. Um, and I was trying to do a real quick pop analysis of the lyrics of this song, so I'll just tell you uh, a little bit about what I'm thinking. It says, I feel inclined to blow my mind, get hung up, feed the ducks with a bun. They all come out to groove about, be nice and have fun in the sun. I'll tell you what I'll do. What will you do? So to me, if I'm being, if I'm taking kind of a deeper than they meant. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally just Bruce Miller's favorite song to get high to. He's just putting his (laughs) his iPod on shuffle for this. They just forgot to put music in this episode and they were like shit uh but if i'm gonna delve deeper into this than they mean me to i think this is kind of a song about like what if i tried something and it seems like the auspice of the song the way it's written is like what if i got high and tried something yeah but what we know that it means for whitford is like what if i tried to do something smallish to right the wrong that i've done that's kind of interesting to think and Emily does something smallish, which yeah. is swipe a knife yep. from the kitchen. And I'm like, wow, what a lax household this is. It was Emily in the kitchen with the butt knife. <laughs> I win. 
and she she takes the knife back into the room with her and i thought when she knelt down that she was going to kill herself in that oh, moment because I just didn't. alexis pladell's face is just so and it's like you know that oliver's birthday is coming up and it's just like She's been through so much mm-hmm. and it's like now she's on the precipice of yet another ritualized rape. And it's oh. just like, how much can she take? And so then Whitford comes in <laughs> and he's yelling. He's like, Cora. And I didn't realize till now that this Martha's name is Cora, which is the name of the other Martha at the Waterfords in the book. Uh-huh. I texted you. I was so excited. I know. And he she's needs his kneeling, juice. She's kneeling down and he just goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, uh, it's the ceremony. She's like, remember the, the patriarchy? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to do that with you, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. But also the other line I love is like when he like doesn't know where Cora is. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to motivate employees if I can't leverage salaries? <laughs> I love this dude. Point. I too. love this dude. Don't like his music. Love this dude. I like his music. Actually, I did like this music. <laughs> I would like all this music if it weren't for the fact that, like, this is the same music we've been getting from day one on this show. If this was a guy who was this sort of, like, aged baby boomer and he had, like, been part of Framing Gilead and was, like, kind of a loose cannon and was listening to this type of music, that would be so interesting. I agree. But, and and this is, there's a lot of diegetic music cues in this. And diegetic music cues are music cues from within the world of the show so it's not on the soundtrack you taught me a new word i learned that from the wire baby so with him in particular the music that's playing is music that he himself is playing i love that whereas a lot of the songs that we've heard up until this point are these baby boomer anthems i mean the the bruce springsteen was also diegetic from the car but the implication is like oh so this is like somehow indicative and representative of like june and moira and luke and uh, yeah. I just, That's where you know, I me. just don't buy it. I wish, I agree. I wish there was a millennial doing this music. I'm free. Then it would be just all Drake, just all uh-huh. Drake. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale is now brought to you by Drake. And you know what, though, I'm upset. he's upset. <laughs> we went through this whole season with nary a Drake cameo. So, oh my god, they teased us that we might get one, and we didn't. I forgot about that, and now I'm pissed. Uh, one last one for the road, and he tells her to go to her room. That's his solution for everything <laughs> for everyone in his house. Like anytime he meets with resistance, he's like, "Go to your room." Yep. Dad's mad. Dad's mad. Then we go to the wives in the hall in front of the tribunal with their new version of the all-girl newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all pictures for right now. It's all still. pictures. We need to well, make Serena slow moves. comes in alone and, oh, God, my hackles went up because it's so exactly what men sound like when they do this because she comes in and somebody's like oh you forget your lunch waterford and i'm like as if you don't cater every single day you fuck bags <laughs> and so they're all being like hey, 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 hey. and she you know gets up and she's like hey so we have some amendments and they're like who's we and then all the wives come in and they're all like i'm spartacus i'm yeah. spartacus but yeah. they're not actually as will be revealed Ooh, this is such as soon as she came in there in my mind i think i wrote it down i was like well it was nice knowing serena yeah <laughs> well look <laughs> this is where her arc in this episode really falls apart for me Ooh. because 
I am with her all the way up until the end. This is a smart move. She's got a quorum of wives behind her. But what she forgets, and I think that this is, it's believable, but I think she's too smart to do what she does, which is take out Eden's Bible Uh and read in front of these men. And also, look, she could have done that if she had cleared it with the wives, which she obviously did not. Because as soon as she starts reading, the wives start peeling off and leaving. She needed, if this is a group effort, if the whole point of this is we're presenting a united front, you can't go off script and use a script that you're reading words from. (laughs) And I just, I don't think that, that, I don't think that when she plays this out in her head beforehand, it's too soon for this. Like they would need to be in a much later state of negotiations for the people that she's trying to reach to feel like that was okay. So I disagree with you. I think that we've been seeing this whole season, the chipping away of Serena's wifely resolve. Mm -hmm. And it starts, I think it starts mostly with the the original All Girl newspaper when she starts... (laughs) Well, when she starts thinking that when really when the fear comes into her own neighborhood. So it's when, you know, people start getting shot in the street. And when McConamander was breathing down her neck. Mm-hmm. When she when, you know, when the shit hits the fan, that's when she starts this. And so she starts disobeying that far back. And then she keeps sure. disobeying until Fred hits her. But then Fred hitting her is disobedience of this contract that she thought that they had. Sure. She thought that at least through infidelity, through, you know, uh, you know, political uh, subjugation, whatever. At the end of the day, Fred was on her side. Mm -hmm. She thought. And that was the thing that broke that. So the next thing we see is Fred running away or sending her baby away to potentially die Mm -hmm. in utero. So she's frazzled by that. And keep Mm -hmm. in mind, this is the second time her baby has ran away Mm -hmm. from her. She's frazzled. So I, I posture the thread has been loose since the all girl newspaper. And we've been pulling a little every week and she regains some of it when we go to Canada. Mm -hmm. But even seeing the the American journalist guy pulls it a little because he appreciate mm-hmm. he's the first time in a long time she has gotten respect as her as a writer and as a a person other than a wife so that mm-hmm. <laughs> well and like as a sexual being like that was definitely there for sure so we've been pulling this string since episode one so again just like my thought of why we should have you know this kind of nuanced understanding for what offer does is let this is a woman serena joy is a woman not firing on all of her normal cylinders because she's been pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and every time this season she thinks she gets an inch pushed down and so she's finally like she's she's just so repressed that she has to break out and she does it without thinking i'm with you up until the very end on that like i agree with you the whole way Mm -hmm. but the problem that i have is if her motivation for going before the council Mm -hmm. in the first place is to protect her daughter Mm -hmm. offred is not gonna be there like as far as she knows you know offred is gonna go away once nicole is Mm -hmm. weaned 
she is by even holding a book, putting mm-hmm. herself in danger. And I do think that she overestimates Fred's compassion, but mm-hmm. he should not be her primary concern here. Like there's a lot more people. And I will even say she could have pulled the stunt with the book if she had the consent of those other women. But it's like, even if she's frazzled, I don't think that she's going to make this move that puts her in personal danger because that then puts her child in even more danger. I hear you. But the last thing that I will say is this is the very first time anyone other than Fred has a a man other than Fred has acted less than polite to Serena Joy Mm -hmm. since the formation of Gilead. So she, I think, had reason to believe that they would have given her the same kind of credence credence as she could have expected from them in pre-Gilead because she's never been in these inner sanctums before. We have that scene but season one. But the law one. is you cannot read. She does. The but law she, is you cannot read. If they're murdering a 15-year-old for committing adultery from an arranged marriage. They're murdering a poor young 15-year-old. They're not murdering. They didn't murder Naomi They cut Putnam. off Putnam's hand. But Putnam is still in power and they didn't do shit to Naomi Putnam. The only wife we've seen really get punished is uh, Marissa Tomei. And maybe they didn't go to the same school. So she doesn't know Marissa Tomei. (laughs) I think Serena Joy has this hubris of the old world, of the protected status of wealthy white women in the previous world. And I I only say white just to make it an analog to our times. I'm not sure. I definitely don't think race is is, um, written into the show. Um, but I think she has this, even if it's paper thin hubris of expecting things to be as they were, because she's never, ever had reason to believe that they would not be that way. I agree with you about the hubris. (laughs) I agree with you about the hubris, but they make her stupid in this moment. Okay. I'm just, I think they make her very stupid here. And I think the text bears it out because all the women leave. Not all of the women. Only a few women peel out of there. You should pay attention to the, like, a significant amount of women do leave. But there are some that stay right there with her, including Mrs. Putnam. I thought she left. She gave her a look. She gives her a look and then she goes out with her and is like, what the hell, man? Mm -hmm. But yeah, the men seize on that frisson of dissent in that group. Listen, if she had cleared it with them and they had presented a united front, she might not have lost that finger. They might not have shut them down. I so disagree. I think if all of them had stayed, they're like, cool, form a line. We're cutting everybody's fingers. There is no version of this interaction where they don't hurt someone. And the only reason they just hurt Serena Joy is to make an example. If every woman had stayed the course and stayed in there, those every lady would have gotten hurt. Everyone. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll anyway, know. we've already talked about this scene way too long. I um, like it. So then, oh God, oh God, oh God, I I was dead. I and she oh uh, to, to pull us out to a funny bit. Uh, she pulled a real footloose where she just reads from the Bible in front of a group of men who disapprove of her. Um, <laughs> you know, I've never seen Footloose. Oh, it's very good. Oh God, the ne- she so she mentions that she was quoting something when she's talking to Mrs. Putnam, and it's from William Basil King. Do you know who that is? I don't. Me neither. But Hold on. Basically, well, the whole thing was 
she makes this quote and somebody's like revelation. And then Naomi's like Goethe. And then Serena's like, actually it's this Canadian minister, but he was a heretic apparently. So there's some dissension amongst the wives about what's appropriate to quote. Yep. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I didn't do my research on that one. It's, it's uh, William Benjamin Basil King. Interesting. So is Fred like the top commander now? I guess so. I think I missed when this that happened. This part of his arc, I don't totally understand because it's like, I guess with taking out McConnemander and mm. Commander Price, but like, come on, look at him. He's so, he's so wormy. He doesn't inspire the respect of his peers. Much to the chagrin of the Commander fan club group <laughs> on <laughs> Facebook. I can't even with them. It is weird. The, humanity is upsetting. Uh, so he comes out and he is very like... It's that it's, you know, it's the the pat rejection of like, ladies, thank you so much. Like, we really appreciate your time. And so pretty. And Serena's like, <laughs> so what are you going to do? And he's like, thank you again. And everybody is leaving. And Serena's like, what? And then two guardians come in and drag her off as she's screaming for Fred to stop it. I started sobbing. This was, I mean. I hate that this show made me love Serena Joyce so much. <laughs> I am furious. I'm furious that they made me love Janine, who I don't like in the book. I'm furious they make me love Eden. I'm furious they make me love Serena Joy, most of all. But God, this hurt my feelings. I wrote, Serena, no! And I screamed. Just in time for a scene with my problematic fave. I know. I wrote down, oh no, are both of our faves dead this episode? Okay, I didn't think anybody was going to die, and I was correct. Mm. But I loved this. I didn't know what the payoff for this knife was going to be. And I don't think Emily knew what the payoff for this knife was going to be. I feel like Emily grabbed that knife in desperation. And see here, the choices that Emily makes, I buy her being frazzled enough to make dumb choices. Mm. Um, I don't buy it so much with June or Serena Joy in this episode, but Mm. we've already spent a lot of time talking about that. So Aunt Lydia comes in to check up on her and he's like, oh, so last night was your first ceremony. The commander said it went splendidly. And I'm like, what? Do they have like a chart of like, <laughs> of like ceremony ratings? Is there like an exit interview of yeah. like, how did that go? <laughs> Emily doesn't say, and like, she's in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me that Aunt Lydia can't see what a bad way she's in. But she just kind of keeps bustling around. And I'm also a little surprised that she doesn't distrust Commander Lawrence Lawrence a bit more. Because he's clearly a few bricks short of a load. Like, this dude is not towing the party line she, anymore. She would turn him in, but she's like, I just, I loved Studio 60. <laughs> it uh, made the mistake of coming out when 30 Rock did, but they're both apples and oranges, really. And he did a great, great job. So she says something to Emily, like, it's like I cut out your tongue, turns around, and then Emily grabs her knife, stabs her, like, right in, like, the neck back. (laughs) Which I think proves my point, which is lectures lead to stabbing. So if you're thinking about lecturing somebody, don't. You might get stabbed. That is true. And then she, she stabs her. She pushes her down the stairs and i was excited briefly i was like yes finish it but she doesn't finish it i was hoping she was gonna go down and get the knife and 
slit her throat, but she doesn't. You got to do a finishing move. You got to do. You got to look. You got to look. It's like Maxine Waters said. There's nothing like a wounded animal. And Cora comes in and sees this and yells for the commander to call an ambulance and drags Emily back up to her room. Again, the household solution for every problem. And she's like, what have you done? Stay in your room. And then Emily has this moment that's very similar to what we saw after her clitoridectomy, mm-hmm. where it's like tight close-ups on her having this really yes. extreme and terrifying reaction. And like the final, the final couple of like poses her face goes through, mm-hmm. it's just so horrible because she goes from this like weird giddy euphoria to just horror i know it was it was really great and i'm glad that you noticed that those scenes are parallel i think it's also significant that she's looking in the mirror because it's sort of herself reflected back at Mm -hmm. her and like look what gilead has made you yeah look who you are now Mm -hmm. oh it's It's horrible delicious and also shout out to Anne crabtree again because she made her a really cute cable knit uh capelet i want that so bad yeah all i could think of the second time was how badly I want that. Mm. Like, and, and you and acted yourself. You're beautiful. Give us, give us the patterns, BB. Oh. Give us the patterns. So it's fitting that that scene ends in a mirror because the next scene begins in a mirror. This is my favorite shot of the whole episode. The well, because she's walking toward the door. I thought yeah. it was through the cut glass oh, of you're the door. Absolutely right. And there's three of her. Like, you see three Offreds coming to the door. And I thought it was weird that she was answering the door. Like, where's Rita? But... <laughs> she should be like, my parents aren't home. <laughs> so she opens the door for Serena and Fred. And Serena is very different than we've ever seen her. And I think Yvonne <clears throat> does such an amazing job because she is in abject shock here. And- and, it and is, it's so much more disgusting because Fred is so solicitous and unctuous. And he's saying, oh, we had a bad day. I'm like, oh, really, bitch? <laughs> For reals? <laughs> and he gives Alfred this bag of, I think, like prescription, like, salves and I stuff. I didn't know like- what it was. And so I, like, I wrote. What the hell did they stop for takeout on the way? <laughs> what is that bag? But you're right. It's probably a pain. Gives a whole new meaning to chicken fingers. Oh. And oh God. And it's so interesting because she is physically so much taller than him. So when she's hunched mm-hmm. and he's leading her, it's just such a sad picture. It's awful. And so he, well, the first thing she says when she comes in is where's Nicole? And June is just like, she just went down. Rita just put her down. And I just, I don't know. I just, I don't understand what the meaning of, I don't care. Like, because the line reading was so good. But it's just like, is she worried about Nicole, like, picking up on her distress? Or is it, you know, just sort of like, she's trying to maintain an air of normalcy. But it's just like, she's so, like, fogged out. And I mean, she may be on drugs, like, yeah. I don't know what the Gilead policy is Oh, with regard home, toward pain relief. girl got no anesthetic. You know none of that happened. I don't know. Why don't do they have so. that bag? That bag is for aftercare. Yeah, but aftercare usually includes pain relief. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry. I guess what I meant is that I think during the procedure. Oh, yeah. During the procedure, no. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Um, 
Wow, that's a good reading. I didn't think about that she's loopy, maybe because of that. And boy, if that isn't Chekhov's finger I wrote the same thing! Are you guys, uh, listeners, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the notion of, like, Chekhov's gun, but that's um, a sort of literary device it's from the seagull yeah um which is a great play oh dot com did it (laughs) yeah and i'm uh he played your and of course he did i love you i wish dot com was real i would absolutely marry dot com you can't fiance marry anyway so the notion of chekhov's gun (laughs) is sort of a storytelling technique well and the the phrase is you know you can't introduce a gun in the first act without it going off in the third so anytime if you see something used in the beginning and then come back to mean something it's it's similar to foreshadowing yeah and so in this instance you know bradley whitford mentioned reading and getting a finger cut off Mm -hmm. in episode 12 and serena read and got her finger cut off in episode 13 oh horrifying now here's an interesting thing so speaking of the commander being solicitous he puts her down to bed and he drops a ring on the table now it looked to me like they didn't cut off her ring finger they didn't but i think they probably took it off because Uh. when you cut off this is just some stuff I know. Um, Boy, combined with what you said on air last episode. But anytime you experience that kind of blunt trauma on any part of your body, the surrounding parts of your body are going to swell oh, in response. Oh, that makes sense. So they would have taken off her wedding ring so that when they cut, because they only cut it only, they only cut it at so the, the joint. joint yeah. So she oh, still has, oh. hopefully she can still anger pot. Cause she's going to have a lot of anger, <laughs> oh, yeah. but so they would have taken the ring off so oh, that I it see. wouldn't cut off the blood supply oh. to her fourth finger. Thank you. Because when I pointed that out, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. We're not doctors. <laughs> once again, when I pointed that out to old two Rose Mitch, <laughs> he said, she wasn't wearing a pinky ring. I don't know why they would take it off. I love pinky rings. Good night. Can somebody please make me a coffee table book called Pinky Rings of Gilead? <laughs> oh, it's just so sad. Oh, God. It. Oh. And then there's a shot where both Serena Joy and Offred are in the mirror. And it's mm-hmm. just, we get it. Mirrors are important. This is beautiful. Is Bradley Whitford not on the council? I mean, I guess not. I definitely buy him as somebody who just like doesn't sh- like, you know, he's the guy who's like rumpled and like shows up occasionally and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, we don't bother with old man Whitford anymore. Alfred asks what happened and Serena just is totally defeated and says, I tried. And oh. it's heartbreaking, but I also believe that she tried badly. But uh, yes, uh, then this is, uh, you know, again, I mean, not to be like mirror, but <laughs> Uh, a mirror shot yeah what are you sylvia plath (laughs) (laughs) this is a mirror shot to when she comes to comfort her after she's been beaten Uh and in that one totally in that one she's just very like has the attitude of like you know fred did what he had to do and in this one she's like fuck they got me yeah they got me well but you know what i love the part when they were both like who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? Oh, shit. It's Rita. <laughs> hey, girl. And I live was, in the mirror now. That was from the musical Mulan. <laughs> For those of you mm. wondering where our musical Ooh, Which stars my from. number two Disney crush, Ooh. Lee Shang. So then 
Grinch Alfred comes back. She goes to see Fred. No, Fred is doing the typical man thing of not knowing where things are in his own kitchen. Oh my god. And I'm like, you didn't even look, bitch. You didn't look at thing one. The thing that I like is when she hands him the tea, it basically says tea on the side of it. <laughs> you look with your eyes, Fred. Look with your eyes. So um, he, she spouts off to him and he goes, God, send me an obedient woman. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. And he then decides to ratchet the creep factor up to 12. I thought this thing only went up to 11. Nope. Goes up to 12. It's too bad. (laughs) I love you so much. I know. I'm so glad we're here on this journey together. I love you too. He Uh, says an obedient handmaid might be able to stay in this house. He keeps trying. Fred is the ultimate nice guy who's like, well, she rejected me 17 times, but I bet now she'll say yes. Okay, this brings up another thing for me that we discussed lightly on the Facebook page, which is we know this is off Fred's second posting. Oh, yeah. Why haven't we seen any flashbacks to the first one? She only remembers specifically. <laughs> also, when did we get the intel that this is offered second post? In like the first couple of episodes. I would have to go back and confirm, but several redheads said that it was her second posting. Well. Like Serena Joy says that, I think, okay. when she gets there. Okay. I will believe it, but you're right. If that is true, that is weird that we're not seeing it. Yeah, it's like, uh, or like even getting any, at my old school, like. Yeah, I guess not. So it's just crazy. And she, she. Oh, he's so nasty. And it so checks out from Fred's like pseudo courteous, courtly idea of what his role is. And he keeps, he appeals to her like four different ways in this argument. You know, before he met Serena Joy and probably after, he was always saying things like, m'lady. He like, he's like that kind of man who at a party, he sees his friend, he's like, good sir. Ah! Yeah, I hate that guy. Hate that guy. Hate that guy. Hate it. So dumb. It's nasty. I hate it. And uh, you know, continuing the theme of commanders behaving weirdly, if not badly, we get back to the Lawrence compound, and Mm -hmm. Emily's in her room. It's dark now. I think it was about like sundownish when she stabbed Aunt Lydia. So it's been a little while. Mm -hmm. And Whitford comes in and finds her in the dark. And, you know, kind of hustles her up and is like, what are we going to do with you? And I was like, oh, my God, this is the only time I thought somebody was going to die. Me too. Because I thought she was going to die. And honestly, I was like, you know what? It may be time. I can't watch this bitch go through any more trauma. Me neither. But uh, too bad because there's some more. Because he gets her into the car. Well, he was serving when he was pulling her down the stairs. I got like major like bluebeard vibe well because his wife sticks her head out again and she's like what he's like don't he's like don't get involved with this and then she's like it was nice meeting you and i'm like what is this madhouse it is weird too because he he is like very affectionate with her even when he's yeah emily on the stairs she's like honey go back it's it'll be fine my love it's like this the first time we've heard a commander talk like that about his wife even friend like i'm excited about him in season two like he's not long for this world you don't know that look this show is very reticent to kill anyone (laughs) i know jesus christ Uh, so she he takes her and he puts her lost and they're all already dead (laughs) he puts her spoilers for lost sorry he puts her in the car and i wrote no one who wears a hat like that 
is a good person <laughs> or i know i wrote no one who wears a hat like that should be trusted well then he's like do you like music and then he fires up his serious xm oh, and is playing walking on broken glass which i wrote in- i s- swear to god if he puts on bruce i will leave the yeah. show uh fun fact walking on broken glass is the official city song of oakland oh that's it, cool it's not it's oh. just because there's window smashings everywhere. So much glass <laughs> on the ground. Uh, so this like is interesting. Let's do a quick uh, dive into this Walking on Broken Glass by Annie Lennox. Um, let's see. Since you've abandoned me, my whole life is crashed. Once you pick up the pieces. Uh, the sun's still shining. The big blue sky don't mean nothing to me. And if you're trying to cut me down, you know that I might bleed. Because if you're trying to cut me down, I know that you'll succeed. Oh, man. Now, what made this the worst to me is that it's raining out. And so it's like the windshield wipers are going. And he's like keeping time with the windshield wipers. And we know that Emily is already in a very fragile mental state. Yeah. Going on a car ride almost never means anything good in Gilead. No. And so she finally like finds her voice and is like, can you turn that off? And he just goes... Okay, not a music fan. <laughs> Just upsetting. <laughs> so upsetting. Uh, the next scene is in the nursery. And one thing I noticed about the cinematography uh, throughout this episode, but especially in this scene, is everything is shot at waist height. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think, you know, again, if I was going to ascribe more meaning than maybe is meant, is, you know, who sees thing at waist height? Uh, a child? So it's uh-huh. like, how do we see the future through these eyes? We physically see it through the camera. It also has sort of the feeling of if you were crouching and watching someone from an obscured place. So that certainly has relevance. It's something to think about. I just looked at that, at the mise en scene, as it were. I'm fucking a film school graduate. <laughs> God bless you. Um, Somebody's got to do it. Yes. So Offred is nursing and burping Hickhole, which is great. She's like, give me a big one, okay? Did she say that I couldn't She hear? did say oh, that. Oh, that's sweet. And then out the window is a fire. And I'm like, wait, I thought they were in Massachusetts, not California. <laughs> oh, California. Have you tried not being on fire? <laughs> Have you? Give it a shot. So it's on fire across the street and immediately you know something is up. something's weird and as quickly as you are like what rita comes in and she's like we can get you out right now get your shoes mm. june does the same shit she always does which is take too long but take too long pack too much why wasn't she wearing shoes in the house lots yeah, of questions a lot of questions a lot of questions but rita says that the marthas will get her out oh. and nick is like out in the street kind of like directing traffic and my assumption was like deliberately routing people mm-hmm. not within the sight lines of where oh, yeah. june is going to be going oh yeah and gosh my eyes are getting misty just thinking about this because boy as soon as this scene started it was like oh man i don't think i breathed the whole rest of this the was so stressful this was so stressful and really great. so she gets her boots god and give me those boots mm. she gets the boots she gets the picture of hannah and then she gets to Rita and, you know, gets her cloak on and is holding Hickle. And, you know, she hugs Rita and, and says goodbye. And uh, she gets out and Rita's like, go past the greenhouse and turn right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. So I don't need to remember the directions. Yeah, yeah. But she gets out there and Serena Joy is in the greenhouse, which, mm-hmm. if you recall, is made of glass. 
broken glass no it is not it is intact intact so then we cut back to fred who's listening to classical music looking at this map of gilead now i paused this trying to ascribe some meaning to it so i can do it the tiniest of dives into this though i am really looking forward to when we can really analyze this Mm -hmm. so looking at it i have it pulled up here on my thin if it'll rotate um, so it appears that the place that we know to be Gilead, I believe, is in blue. Okay. Because, it, check my geography here, I believe this portion of the United States is where Boston is. Yes. Okay. So I assume, you know, I listen. Why are you so unsure? I am very bad at geography. <laughs> when I was asked to do a state report in fifth grade, my first two choices were Egypt and London. So I'm a fucking mess, and I always have been. So I will admit my dumbness right now. Yeah. And I just, I have questions about the rest because like we know that like Hawaii and Alaska are the only places that haven't fallen. Right. So So who are these other people? So there's a lot of things I tried to parse out. One notable thing is that we see two areas where there's the hazard symbol. So we see it right here in the middle of the United States. So I'm not sure. That looks like Nebraska. What this is. Okay. Makes sense because it did look kind of Great Mm Plainsy when we were looking at the colonies. So I have a feeling this nearest hazard to Boston is a is the colony where uh, you know, Janine and Emily Janine were? And Emily were. There's another hazard over here by Mexico, by mm-hmm. the top of Mexico. Yeah, and a little bit like close cir- to San Diego. And a circle is around this hazard. Hmm. So potentially, I, I'm not sure what that, that might means. be a nuclear bomb and sort of strike site. Right, and sort of extrapolating. Mm-hmm. If we see Mexico on this map, is like this khaki color, oh. and it's the same khaki color. I. It's not quite the same khaki color, but it's the same khaki color here as Canada. So I assume that they're saying that these are like neutral mm-hmm. something. So that makes sense to me. Here's where we get thor- thornier. Is there are places like Texas to Florida and then up from like, check me, but like the Pacific Oregon, Northwest the Pacific to North- Montana West, right? Which are is a gradient of pink to red. So huge, dark, dark red in like the Gulf of Mexico area. Florida is completely red. Um, along the coastline is is red, and along the border between the Pacific Northwest and Canada is dark, dark red. What does that mean? My theory is that <laughs> either there are active conflicts uh-huh. with the U.S. military happening there, or Gilead is massing troops to protect their borders. Mm. And I think that's why Florida is entirely red because mm-hmm. it is prone to a sea attack. Uh, um, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll wait and know see if sure they give day. us any more information. But thank you for doing that because I did not do that. Absolutely. That is <laughs> me and Rose Mitch had a time uh, dissecting that. So that's all we saw. We freeze framed it so you don't have to. Uh, so Fred is in the study and he hears a commotion and uh, goes to. Well, he sees the fire and he goes to oh, Nick. He goes a couple, pl- like, he sees Rita and he's like, what's going on? She's like, oh. And then he, like, he goes to the nursery, I think, and I think he, like, checks a couple other places in the house. And he's up in the hall by June's room was where I read this happening. And Nick gets in there and 
he's like, where, where is everybody or something? And Nick is like, oh, it's not safe outside. Like you can't go outside. He's got a gun on him. And I'm like, what? Nobody died. Well, I wrote, that's a series wrap for Nick and Rita. (laughs) You know, you're right. Gilead doesn't kill anybody, but geez. But I think, I I don't think Rita gets implicated here. Nick, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, but also, you know, he's response and i don't know i'm not even gonna speculate because i think they're gonna pull some ridiculous fancy footwork to put us back to neutral but also do i don't think we ever hear serena say anything about like we're harboring terrorists in this house which is why i thought yeah even though that happens in the trailer so i think think that we accidentally saw a piece from season three i don't they wouldn't have been filming it yet it hasn't been written oh yeah i think that was a line in the argument that she had with fred in episode 11 that got cut Uh, after they cut that trailer you're right that's probably it boy i wonder has the first season come out on dvd i have no idea do people still make dvds i think they do I own a DVD of the of Wonder Woman, so yes, at least one they have made. Um, yeah, because I'd be interested. What if that s- was the only one? <laughs> they made one for me, so I could have something to tell my dad to get me for Christmas. Um, yeah, I would be curious to see these deleted scenes because if it's not in DVD form, I'm not sure how or when we would get to see them i mean i don't think that we would like it's not even that i think it was a deleted scene i think it was like literally they just were like oh we need to re-edit this shot mm, like interesting i'm excited um, that's actually it's pretty common like and they did it remember when we talked about a wrinkle in time there was that whole f- sequence where they were showing calvin how a tesseract works that wasn't in the movie really mm-hmm. oh. in the trailer they were like showing him like with the ant and stuff right. and then in the movie they did not do that which was a bummer because like it's like the one illustration in the book. Anyway. Would still highly recommend that movie. Yeah, the movie was great. So, oh, it's so scary. So she's out in the lawn and... She can see the Martha who's supposed to be ferrying her oh, wherever so she's scary. supposed to go. And I, Because this whole time I was like, is this for real? Because like I was like, at any moment, somebody could be not who they say they are. I thought for sure that was going to happen. <sighs> I like to held my breath the entire rest of this episode i'm surprised i'm still with you today yeah i was so scared it was nuts and you know what i think that is something to be said for when the handmaid's tale is good it is real good because it makes you feel you know us here in our apartments it makes us feel this genuine fear Mm -hmm. and it makes us pay attention and there is something to be said for art that makes you put down your fucking phone and feel and be present with it in 2018. And The Handmaid's Tale, when it does it, it really yeah. fucking does it. So hats off. The Martha is in the trees. And when we see this, we see her and it's shot through the gate. So mm-hmm. we see her on the other side of the gate. Yeah. So it cuts the scene very clearly in the line between freedom to your right and enslavement to your left. Mm-hmm. Like, really interesting. <laughs> It's really unfair on left-handed people, but whatever. <laughs> Stupid left-handed Flanders. Um, <laughs> oh, the leftorium. <laughs> so everyone takes is taken too long in this scene. It scares this me is so the, like, much. This is the thing from purely from like a plot thing. I'm like, everything is taking too long. I agree. Oh my god! And they go through this, and I'm feeling more charitable to it in this moment because it's like i don't necessarily buy how she gets there but i do think her husband signing off on getting her finger cut off (laughs) 
put Serena in the right frame of mind. It changes a woman. <laughs> to be like, you know what? Take my baby. However, they go through this negotiation, which honestly, I don't really want to talk much about because it makes me very anxious just thinking about like, it. I physically did not write any notes because I was too wrapped, which is, a, again, and a great... Like, a great sign. June manages to talk her into it and then, you know, she's like, please let me say goodbye. And I'm like, don't give her that baby. I know. Don't, like, the whole rest of this. Anytime anybody's like, give me the baby, I'm like, don't you let go of that baby. You get a Bjorn. <laughs> Why aren't there Bjorns in Gilead? There should be Bjorns. Oh anyway. my God. Well, they're having a trade dispute with Scandinavia. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, every Jesus. single time I was nervous, but I think that it is astute on June's part to know that Serena Joy has to do this final play acting of what it's like to be a mother mm-hmm. with the only baby she's ever had. Yeah. Oh, and probably will ever have. Oh, yeah. Because, boy, you know, I don't think they let people who lose their handmaid this many times have a baby. They're like, you can't even keep track of an adult woman who's enslaved. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So she lets her go. And I was sobbing this whole time. Yeah. And just literally the rest so of the episode was just me in all caps. Bitch, quit dawdling. Yeah, like, seriously. I'm just like, oh, my God. And like these Marthas. And this is an interesting thing because I think it was Kira Snyder who mentioned the overqualified Marthas. Yeah. We see this kind of fun. I'm like in this like harrowing episode, this fun payoff where like yeah. the Marthas are the most capable people in well, all of Gilead. Cause like they run into no problems at all. They get, they have no done. problems. They get shit done. Well, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, not to bring up my favorite movie, but it reminds me of the part in sound of music where the nuns are actually the yes. people who can secret you out of Nazi nuns Austria. always are because they are not distracted by that dick. <laughs> oh, that dick. Can you imagine you if Liesl had been in charge? Oh. She almost fucked it up anyway. Liesl fucks it up so many times. <laughs> Liesl, there is more dick in the world, Liesl. Ah, bless Liesl. I'm 16 years old and I don't need a governess. (laughs) Big Martha network that I wrote down, it's it's called the Twilight Bark, which it's not. Uh, I love you. 101 Dalmatians. So Um, one question I have, I feel like we haven't seen a single true believer Martha. Yeah, I that's feel like every Martha has seemed to not, like they're like, well... You know, Mondays. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and again, we haven't seen that many true believer handmaids either. And it's true. I'm like, you know, there's got to be a couple, you know, there's. Yeah. Well, I think the like closest- just based on the fact that there is a Commander Waterford fan group. I'm like, Ugh. there's a, at least a few handmaids one- that are like not even in the way that the second off Glenn was like, this is better than my life before. Like right. I'm clean and sober. These people respect me. But somebody who's just like, I love this. Oh, my God. You know what I used to hate about sex? Too much lube. So much consent. Oh, it just gets so murky. Who has the time? Yeah, that is funny. I always like to think just for comedy purposes, like who is the person who's actually having a good time? Yeah. And I think there is one weird woman and one weird family that has Shannon that is like actually having a dope time. And they're like, you know what? I really like chilies. Yeah. 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 I can't believe we never used to go. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, I wrote, oh my God, I'm so scared. Oh my God. Oh my God. Help. This whole thing was so stressful. And we get to this point where she is on her last stop and the last Martha is like, it's not far. You're going to be oh, fine. This is the, I think, potentially teeing us off to the idea that we might see uh, a true underground female road. 
yes <gasps> in the book that's what they call the method by which people escape either via mayday or or by an yeah, independent just, yeah it's it's a non-sectarian railroad yeah it's so not- no matter what resistance movement you're aligned with they'll help get you out if you're a woman and we didn't see moira do that no moira kind of by hook or by although crook. she i think she did go on it a bit in you know in her first escape attempt i think so too she did. um i can't remember if they referred to it as the underground female road no. but so offred is waiting in these you know reeds or whatever and she's holding hicole yeah i was thinking that i this is if this is not a yakovid reference i don't know what is a what yakovid the mother of moses the egyptian or the um hebrew mother of of moses no oh you know what i'm thinking of the ten commandments for protestants starring charlton <laughs> heston and they call her yoshebel in that jacoved which is spelled j-o-c-h-e-b-d is the mother of moses and she's the person that kind of to escape you know yes killing of the babies she i get sends- what you're saying now for some reason i don't know why i didn't put anything together but i didn't but thank you that's okay but she she <laughs> sends moses off into the world kind of the exact same way that that uh offered is sending nicole out into the world when do you think she decided that she wasn't gonna go when she saw that fucking polaroid okay because i thought on the first go round, i thought it was when she saw emily Mm. And she's like, oh, you know, she'll be okay. I got like, a buddy. She'll be safe. I got a buddy. But then when I watched it the second time, it seemed very clear when she put the Polaroid in Hickle's blanket. Well, and she's Nicole now, full time. Mm-hmm. Yes, which I want to talk about that yeah. too. But so that's when I think she's she there. Her mind. And then a car pulls up to this sort of like tunnel thingy. Oh, quick. She has a quick flashback to singing to What Hannah. did she sing to Hannah? Oh, I could not hear it okay. because it was late at night and I didn't want to get kicked out of our apartment. <laughs> Um, but yes it's very sweet and i died i cried so much Mm -hmm. during this part and it's just very sweet because it's like again get you a man that looks at you the way that luke looks at get a dad bod oh god Mm. it's so beautiful i love it very much so then she is putting the 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 picture in nicole's uh blanket and some car comes up now you know what did you know this was whitford no as soon I was as I so surprised. The car, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was shocked. I, I did not see this coming. And Emily gets out of the car and she still has no fucking clue what's going on. And she sees June and they hug and she's like, what's going on? And June's like, you're getting out. You're getting out of Gilead. And I was so relieved. Me too. Just like. I like I need Emily to be OK more than I need June to be OK. Me too. Something interesting just in the way that this is shot is that there's the tunnel where the car drives up and the car is obscured by this water. So Mm -hmm. she has to go between she has to go behind the water to see the car. And what's interesting is this is a device used in a lot of mm, fairy tale tradition of when you pass through water Mm -hmm. enchantments wear off. So when you're passing through this sort of uh, waterfall, or if you're on the Jungle Cruise, or like the backside of water, uh, you'll get that one day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when she's passing through this sort of water barrier, it's something as big as changing, yeah. and sort of the rules of Gilead are wiping off of her for a brief moment okay. to escape. It's just kind of yeah, no, I think that's great. Or as a 
to Rosé, Mitch would say, oh my God, how come there's only water on one side of the tunnel? How come it's only raining right there? And then he fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Um, so, so Emily she, gets in the van. Well, and, and, and I forget. Did she ask Whitford, like, what are you doing? Or like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm getting myself a deep shit. I know. I love that. Oh, sorry. Just to rewind a little bit is. Yeah, I did not take good notes here. Uh, when she rewind a, a ways when she's holding Nicole and she's telling her about the picture. Uh huh. Bitch looks right to camera. She looks us in our eyes and she says, this is Hannah. You're going to meet her one day. You're going to know her one day, which I think is them saying, oh, no, we're going to get more of her in season three. I mean, that's why she stays. Yeah. So like, but that's that's I think there have been several times when Offred has made promises to us as the audience mm-hmm. by way of making them to Nicole. The first is when she looks at us after uh what we yeah. found out was fallgate <laughs> or was not fallgate it was wandering outside and yes. falling down um uh the, that first time a few episodes ago when she looks into camera she says i'm gonna get you out yeah. of here and she does she made good on that yeah. promise as far as we can tell and she i wish was gonna she make good on this one as well i wish she would have looked at us and promised that drake was gonna be in the next season me too but me too. That's subtext. I read into it. So anyway, now let's go back <laughs> yeah, to the tunnel. Well, look, I mean, look, Hannah's mixed race. Drake is mixed race. They're the same. Person. Yeah, they're the same person. Hannah will be played by Drake. Next <laughs> season. <laughs> I think that's great. He does have a girl's name. So, oh, Aubrey. Uh, so I wrote my. <laughs> you can tell um, emotions were running high because to Rose Molly wrote, get in the fucking car, bitch. To June? June. <laughs> to the world. <laughs> I knew, like, again, I thought as soon as she saw Emily, she was like, oh, here's a buddy. Blink. And so she gives her Nicole, and she's got that, like, crazy beatific look on her face that people get when they're like, I'm doing a good thing that's also crazy. She gives the baby to Emily and says, call her Nicole, oh. tell her I love her. And Emily's like, what? june and she shuts the door she does the two hits that's the universal symbol for get out of here and watches the car go away and then she pulls you're you're going too fast charger what do you uh what do you make of her sending her off with the name nicole i think that she's trying to honor serena joy for making the sacrifice i agree so i don't care that much about her name because i think holly's a dumb name Okay, I think <laughs> you are right in saying that that's her final like thank you to Serena Joy, yeah. which is funny because it's I don't know if she's fully redeemed in her eyes at all, but she just has more compassion and nuance of understanding for her. Yeah, well, as and we I mean, all do. You know, I think there's also a strategic possibility that mm. if this child's name is Nicole and like kind of known to be like this child that is missing from Gilead. If she is intercepted, there is like the baby will be treated better. I don't know. Like I think the baby is such a precious. Yeah, resource. that's a good point. It almost. I keep seems- forgetting that babies are scarce. Here's the thing: is I think it is going against what is smart to make her name Nicole because just like if you said if they're like who's this baby, they're like it's Holly. Like oh good, we were looking for a Nicole. Well, but I don't know. I don't know though. Because actually, too much of I mean, I don't think line. anybody's really going to call that baby anything mm-hmm. until they get where they're going. You know I what agree. I mean? Anyway, anyway, okay. Whitford gets some last zingers in about Hilarious. don't get caught 
stay away from drugs and i'm like are you drunk right so now bro funny. i love fun dad a commander so then june pulls her hood up and goes like grinch this is i wrote grinch offered yes oh my god she gets her snoke on and mm. i'm like what is this bitch gonna do because i don't think she's going back to that house I know. So here's the thing. This whole thing with Alfred not getting in the car, it reminds me of this joke I've heard one time, and it's not the one I told you earlier. <laughs> like, that's a long joke. No, Molly. no, no. <laughs> this joke is a, a man is is drowning, and he says, God, please save me. So a boat comes by and says, hey, yeah. buddy, you want to get on the boat? No. God will save, God will save me. Two more boats come. Yeah. Same thing happens. At the end, this man drowns, and he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, I sent you three boats. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like this is her every time. She's like, please, let me get out of it. Gilead. Somebody's like, cool, here's but a way. I don't think she can leave without Hannah. I think, well, and look, she was going to Canada and had made her peace when she mm-hmm. was in the plane way back in episode three. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, I have two children to take care of now. And she's like, I like this escape seems like a sure thing. Like these Marthas are on top of it. This random commander was there, although I don't know that she has any idea who the fuck this guy is. But she feels like she should get Hannah out and, you know, potentially at the expense of her own life. Although I think not the case, because, again, when I was talking with Kira Snyder, she mentioned those being the tapes um oh. the voiceover yeah she specifically mentioned that they were the tapes and okay, I, that i forgot that you know she's you telling this story and so we know that june gets out to some degree at some point even yeah. within or the reality of this do. show yeah very interesting i'm so excited you know as much as i am reticent for there to be many more seasons mm-hmm. of the handmaid's tale this was a i thought this was a really good finale and even I think they subverted they had to make it so that she doesn't escape no I totally agree because it's the same ending as the previous season which they weren't gonna do exactly Um, so what do you think Emily I'm gonna throw some things at you mm -hmm. you tell me what you think first knee-jerk reaction okay Emily makes it to Canada oh absolutely okay Nick and Rita die next season Mm. One of them will die. Agreed. Serena Joy dies. Nah. Mm, what she like better, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Duh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on all counts. Uh, I mean, the main thing that I have to say is hashtag three seasons and no more for the love of God. Make this hashtag catch on, guys, because as great, listen, I want it known. I think, by and large, this is a well-written, faithful adaptation, good show. I'm enjoying it. But... I don't want it to be more than third three seasons because I think brevity is the friend of good TV writing. Ask I agree. The office. The other thing I would love to see, uh, hey, Stromboli Bruce Miller, what if you gave the show to a female showrunner in the third season? It's established. It's a hit. Like, use your white male privilege for something truly remarkable. But from what we know from talking to the women on this show is that he does have like a pretty diverse writer's room that's fine but he's still the showrunner and i think it's very evident throughout this that it's a man shaping this universe Mm. and i don't like it yeah all right uh what else i would like to see i know face butter is still on the table because yellen said it was on the table i want to see the fucking epilogue i want to see the effing epilogue i want to see it i want to get that information i want to know 
something because the epilogue existing, even though the epilogue has its own problems in terms of like, whoa, people are still dicks. (laughs) But it's like, hey, there's like this hope of the future. And what does that future look like? God, I'm Prediction. I'm excited now. Probably also don't see race. <laughs> <laughs> Though I will say, I'm going to give you, if I was to give this season of The Handmaid's Tale a score for how much they go out of their way to include people of all races, I'm going to say if last season they got a C plus, I think this season they get a solid, solid, I'm going to say this season is a B plus. I would give it a B. Okay, B to B plus. I feel like they they clearly. I didn't see enough East Asian people to give them a B plus. Fair, fair. I'm gonna say very high B. Then. Okay, nice. Uh, which is passing, and if you get Bs, you get to go to theater camp. That's what I learned. I wonder if that's analogous to the uh, ceremony grading scale. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's it for season two of The Handmaid's Tale. We'll be back with some funsies for you in upcoming weeks. And then we're going to do we're going to do some more Handmaid's Tale content for you for between seasons. We're going to take a little bit of time off. uh, Yeah, we're we're exhausted. Fun project. This is a lot. Thank you guys for being with us. You're so amazing. Thank you for bringing your friends here. Welcome to our new listeners. You know, we're happy to have you guys. Shout out to our day ones and uh, take good care. Love your girlfriends and no lite te bastardes carbondorum. Dum 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 dum